0: I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. One of the key advantages charter schools have is the flexibility to start from scratch with a blank slate with respect to school design and, as important, a clean balance sheet. Unlike the districts with whom they compete for students, charters don't have to worry about commitments made in the past to cover the costs of buildings, employees, and retirees. But that advantage can quickly erode if, as charters seek to achieve scale, they make many of the same financial decisions as their district predecessors. I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Robin Lake, director of the Center for on Reinventing Public Education at the University of Washington. Together with Paul Hill, Robin is the author of a new post on the Ednext blog that offers some stern advice for charter school entrepreneurs and for those who support them. And I'm delighted to be able to dig into that advice now. Robin, welcome to the Ednext podcast. Thanks, Marty. It's good to be here. So your post is entitled, Charters Must Avoid Recreating the Failed School District Financial Model. So its prescriptions for the charter sector are based on a diagnosis of what's gone wrong in the financial arrangements of traditional districts. What is that diagnosis?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're used to thinking about um, school districts as pretty inflexible and rigid, right? But what's um, interesting is that they didn't um, really start out that way. They started a lot like charter schools, small one-room schoolhouses, not a lot of administrative infrastructure. but. You know, really over the past um, decades um, in attempts to sort of, you know, um, satisfy employees and um, become more institutional and strong, they really um, kind of, you know, accrued that um, inflexibility. And um, they've done it, you know, kind of slowly by committing, making long-term commitments to what we usually think of as fixed costs buildings and more um uh more employee benefits um that were you know hard to sustain over time um, unless they kept growing so you know um that's the thing that we worry about um can charter schools uh, be headed down the same route
0: so based on that analysis what are some of the traps that charter schools can fall into you note that the most troublesome commitments are the ones that look small at first but grow later. So what are some examples of that?
1: Right. Well, a lot of charter schools are um, thinking about purchasing their own buildings and are trying to. Now that's, you know, understandable. Nobody is is, is handing them buildings, so they've got to figure out where they can operate long term. And if they're going to be around a long time, it makes sense. But they're making the same kinds of commitments um, to property and And debt um, on that front. I think you're familiar with a study we did several years ago on CMOS, and we saw a lot of charter schools kind of recreating the same salary schedules as school districts. So that there are automatic escalations for seniority. Um, There are a lot of um, commitments to teachers that um, that are great in terms of long-term benefits, but um, we think. You know, if they continue down that route without staying flexible, to break the bank if they um, if they if they aren't careful. Um, and then finally, I think reliance on philanthropy has been um, something that's um, been really worrisome to us. We've seen a lot of charter schools and CMOS um, really not be able to to operate in a sustainable manner without a continued influx of outside funding. So, if that stops. Um, I'll be in trouble.
0: So let's go back to the first one, long-term mortgages on facilities. It seems to me that actually purchasing a new facility or getting access to a facility is almost like a coming-of-age ritual for a new charter school, something that many operators aspire to because of the, I guess, control that it gives them or the stability that it gives them. But you... Suggest that actually it would be much more advantageous to continue in a lease arrangement, in part because of the flexibility that it gives them. It, it strikes me that this is sort of runs counter to a lot of the thinking in the in the field
1: yeah it 's tough I mean charter schools want to establish themselves in communities long term they want to send a signal to families that they 're going to be around for their kids in a community institution so that's understandable, right? But um, the getting yourself into long-term debt is doing exactly what districts have done. Over time, you'll spend a lot more time managing buildings, managing debt, um, than really thinking about your core purpose, which ought to be educating kids. And, you know, we think that there are ways to um, innovate around this. Um, something that um, some communities are thinking about is establishing real estate trusts where buildings are held by a third party and are allocated to schools, you know, based on the long-term leases or whatever. But um, that seems the way that, that folks should, you know, consider going, or we also see, you know, pretty interesting partnerships in some communities where charter schools have good relationship with school districts, where districts are sharing their buildings.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. We ran a piece recently that was something of a departure for us as a journal on school architecture and architecture in particular for blended learning by uh, Larry Kearns, who's worked with some charter schools to design facilities specifically for blended learning models. And, you know, he really said this is a place where um, it's very hard to, say, convert a single facility from a traditional to a blended model and back again. And that implies that you know, if you're locked in to a specific school design or a specific facility with a given design, it's going to be harder for you to consider changing instructional approach.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think all of this is about staying nimble, right? And as you said, a lot of charter schools are sort of coming to age. I think that the danger is um, that the movement as a whole kind of hits middle age and becomes <laughs> sort of... Um, uh, a little too complacent that what they're doing right now is what they ought to be doing in five or ten years. What, one of the most promising things about the charter movement has always been its ability to um, adapt, be nimble, solve problems quickly. And if people are getting locked into building models and and one one size fits all kind of approaches in the charter movement, um, they're you know. Um, it's, it's a troubling sign for the future.
0: Now, your second uh, bucket of, of decisions to look at was teacher compensation. I imagine that uh, an important part of that would be uh, pensions and other retirement benefits. What should charter schools be thinking about in that space? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that there are some really innovative thinkers out there exploring the possibility of um, uh, different kinds of pensions that people can buy into in blocks and um, that are fin- financially sustainable. Um, I think this is an area where states that would like to support the growth of charter schools and more nimble school districts um, should be able to lend a hand, and we'd like to see philanthropies getting into the game here as well. Um, bringing the best of um, you know private innovation to this, this public um, pension problem would be really helpful
0: But it seems like a key principle that you advocate for in the piece and makes good sense to me is trying to make sure that benefits are completely paid out uh, or that they aren't completely paid out of current cash flow. Yeah,
1: it's a crazy idea. You should um, not spend more than you can afford.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, and it points to, I think, A broader issue, as you pointed out, many of the decisions that districts made that got them into their current situation were made with an assumption of just continued growth in enrollment over time. And that worked well during the baby boom, but as we saw different patterns of mobility, um, in some cases in response to integration mandates out of uh, cities with white flight, uh, you just saw some districts experiencing these sudden changes in enrollment size that just made decisions that they had made a few decades before uh, totally um, unworkable? Yeah,
1: you know, to use the term Ponzi scheme is really too extreme because it it implies a certain level of um, intention, intentionality to deceive. I don't think that that's what's going on here, but in some ways, these are Ponzi schemes. The way that districts Um, are only financially viable if they continue to grow, the same thing could easily happen to charter schools.
0: The last point you made, over-reliance on philanthropic dollars. Are philanthropies part of the problem here, Uh, sort of by virtue of the support that they've been willing to give to specifically support very rapid growth of the sector?
1: I think They have been to some degree part of the problem, and it certainly hasn't been intentional, but I think um, there has been a lot of interest in seeing charter schools go to scale um, very quickly, and that has meant profound investment in large systems, centralized systems, and very, very quick growth. And I think um, that's gotten a lot of CMOs in particular into trouble. the the goal is right. Um, we want to be able to grow as many high-quality schools as possible, as quickly as possible, but it's got to be done in a way that's financially viable and sustainable. And, you know, there are some slowing trends in the charter school movement right now. I think much of that has to do with, Um, CMOs that grew too quickly and are now looking back at quality and making sure they slow down and and take care of their core competencies.
0: Well, I was going to say, actually, that I think many readers of your piece might have the takeaway be that really, guys, we need to slow down. Um, Is that the right way to read the piece? Is that the advice that you're offering the charter sector? Are there other ways to achieve rapid growth without falling into some of these traps or relying on some of the financial arrangements that you're counseling schools against?
1: Yeah, the message is not at all slowed down. I mean, we have um, real need out there, and we've got to figure out how to get a lot more high-quality schools quickly. So I really think it, the message um, from us is around innovate, um, continue to innovate. If the charter school movement has been known for anything, it's been... Um, being obsessed with innovation and problem-solving. That's the hallmark of the best CMOs out there. So for me, this is just the next generation of work ahead. Um, It's figuring out new ways to stay nimble and flexible, uh, beware of empire building, um, and uh, by that I mean people shouldn't see the goal as running a network of 50 or 100 schools. The goal should be um, figuring out how to get as many high-quality schools as possible. That might mean that CMOs have to start spinning off some of their more stable, effective schools so that they can concentrate on, um, on creating new ones only. Um, maybe more use of technology um, in innovative ways And certainly, um, really creative approaches to how you structure benefits and um, and salaries in really sustainable ways over time.
0: My guest today has been Robin Lake, director of the Center on Reinventing Public Education at the University of Washington. Her blog post with Paul Hill, Charters Must Avoid Recreating the Failed School District Financial Model, is available now at EducationNext.org. Robin, thanks for taking the time to join me. Thanks so much, Marty. You've been listening to the Ednex Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners to find us.